Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Paul Mel and McFadden, joining you from uh, sunny Middle East where it's super hot in the middle of summer. I hope you guys are well. I hope you've been having uh, productive weeks and that you've been finding some time to connect in your network and spend time with people you love. I've certainly been doing that, having a, a great time with family and friends. And yeah, it's been it's been a good a good summer for me here in the Middle East. Joined here by my uh, mate Mike. How are you going, mate? I'm fine, Mel. And uh, it's a little bit late here on the East Coast. It's uh, almost two a.m. But it's a Saturday and it's okay. So I'm kind of a, a night owl. And if I'm being honest, it's nice to be home. Uh, I, have, I haven't been home in over a month uh, consistently for like more than two days because I've just been on the road training so much. And from the desert down to the, to the Gulf Coast and back and just all over and I'm still going at it. And uh, I was kind of telling my mom today i was just like yeah it kind of feels like i'm a stranger in my own home sometimes because i come home and i'm like ah i don't even remember where i put this or put that and i haven't had a lot of time to like put my place together how i wanted it and it's just like i get to come home and just like sleep sometimes which which is nice but um yeah not not ideal but uh i'm three quarters of the way through this 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 training and getting through man so it's uh I can see the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit. I'm looking forward to some breaks and the holidays and the fall time and, and Christmas time and everything else. Like I'm really excited about spending some quality time and enjoying regular life. But um, yeah, it's not bad. I know we, you know, obviously just with respect for what you do and we're never going to bring up details around it, but I just massive respect to you for what you do and the, the, the effort it takes to make that contribution to all of our safety and security and, um, you know, the normal life in the West that we enjoy that can occur behind the safety that people like you across all of uh, our allied countries provide. It's not easy to provide. And I just, I really want to acknowledge you for what you do and, and you still make the time to get together to have these conversations. 2 a.m. there, 9 a.m. here. We've been chatting for a little while before we started, you know, getting up here on a Sunday morning, you stand up late on a Saturday evening in and around your training commitments. It's um, it's great. It's massive. And there's like something to be said around like you unpacking your apartment and getting your, your home base set up as like a metaphor for life. <laughs> but, um, having, having things where you need them and having a place to come back to that's yours and, uh, it supports you as you go out into life and your mission. There's something really beautiful about that, man. And I just, yeah, it's nice. I, I know that I have those feelings every time I'm away and back at the uh, the air base when I come home and just have the, like, so like Superman coming back to the castle of solitude or whatever it was called in the North Pole, uh, being able to recharge the batteries and being in your space, it's really good. Yeah, I was hopeful when I got back from my last training trip and I came home and then we had a, well, we'll get too specific, but I'll tell you that it really sucked. Um, <laughs> we, we, we went out on this. I think, um, I think with the idea that 
people have just a you know movie sort of idea about what someone in yeah, uh, yeah. active duty and certainly in your area of the world does i think people can picture that and be like imagine doing it actually doing it yourself and not being an actor i think we can pretty much say all of it's difficult <laughs> let me l- let me just say the recruiting commercials for like some of the really cool sexy hollywood stuff that's like a whole 10 seconds what they don't show you is the six hours it took to get to that point and you're just miserable as hell and you're just like get me out of this gear get me out of the ocean get me out of this get me out of that because god we, we had this evolution the other night um where we were out in the, in the ocean uh, we were, we were predicting it was a long boat transit and and then going inland doing a bunch of stuff which you know i won't get into but we were predicting it would take about uh two and a half hours for the transit and then another three hours or so for the transition in and the transition back and then doing this sort of thing uh we stepped off around 6 p.m and we got about i don't know it was about an hour into it and we were hitting our timeline pretty good and we we're like all right this this is good uh a storm came in and we the storm didn't hit us directly but the front did so winds really picked up and everything uh it was like four foot sea state out there and the best way to try to describe it which you're not going to see in any recruiting video or anything like that which is fine um turn off all the lights see (laughs) nothing but far distance light which lights which there's there's no distance or reference so like to how far they are unless you have like a map and you know gps and um Basically, close your eyes, put yourself in your washing machine, and then just uh, ride in a direction for about four and a half hours, getting the shit beat out of you by nothing but waves and salt water. And uh, you're wet the entire time. Yeah, it. Uh, we predicted about five hours, uh, five and a half to uh, complete all of this. Again, leaving at 6 p.m. I didn't. We didn't finish until 3.30 in the morning. I didn't get in bed until 5.15 a.m. And, um, you know, that's just, that's just the level of training that we do, um, even in the worst of like conditions. And I, I sent this, uh, little thing that I kept, I actually made when I was an instructor, but it was, uh, us doing some things in the water column and, uh, it just really sucked. And I sent it out to my guys and there was a quote that went with, it, it was really nice, uh, that I, I really like. It says, uh, I asked God why he was sending me through troubled waters. And he said, God replied, because my enemies can't swim. And I, I sent that out to my guys and I said, you know what? Nobody in their right mind would go out and do the stuff that we just did last night. And that's why we did it. it you know, because that's that's what we're paid to do, but that's who we are. That's that's what we're supposed to be doing. And we're going to come get you when you don't think we can make it. Or, you know, you could look at him be like, the hell with that. And everybody just start making jokes, you know, it's just like, and the funny stuff that happens in the dark and the friends that you make, you know, and all the goofy shit. I mean, there were some points, man, nobody was talking. It's just long drawn out, just getting your ass beat and everybody's just holding on. And I just start laughing at some points, like sporadically laughing and guys are like, man, what's, what are you laughing at? You know, I was like my whole career, every time it sucks, every single time and i was just laughing you know and then i was like we're not even moving we're not even moving like you see these far distance lights and like you'd be driving in one for like 30 minutes and nothing moves and you're like we're not even moving you know and everybody starts laughing but 
it, it's what gets you through those shit times, man. You know, but you know, uh, there were some times where it's like, Hey, they were asking me, they're like, Hey, should we turn back? Hey, should we cut the corner and maybe not hit our point and, and go a little bit quicker or do this? And as much as I wanted to, like, trust me, I wanted to, cause we were just getting, you know, handed our lunch out there. Uh, I said, no, I was like, no, we're hitting our point, man. We're going because this, there's a lot of lessons learned that's going to come from this, not just from the training aspect, but just with life. This is supposed to suck. This is supposed to be this bad. Yeah. Uh, we're pushing our limits and everybody's up against the wall right now. And, you know, but we're going to push it. We're going to see how far we can go and what we can take. And we're still going to do this. We're going to figure it out and we're still going to do it. And we did it, you, you know, and yeah, everybody man. walked out laughing and fun when it was over. Everybody was tired, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, they don't show that in the commercials, man. They don't show that sexy shit in the, in the movies. It's all like 10, 10, 15 seconds of glory and getting to do cool shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's what I joined for. Not this. <laughs> so, but I'm in. now I'm sitting here. I'm having some some uh, late night tea, talking to Melon. Yeah. And we're going to have a great conversation and uh, share some other good stuff. So, I mean... You know, it passed, made it through. Right. Do the things that no one else is willing to do. You know, yeah. do that. Do that in, in areas in your life and just watch the results. Do it for your profession. Do it with your your diet and your fitness. Do it with your relationships. Do it with your family. Do the things that no one else is willing to do and just see see where you are, see where you can get to. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I also love that, like, military people i know a lot of first responders will get it as well like shared suffering with humor equals like friendships that last a lifetime oh yeah yeah um speaking of which you know we're talking about tough times i was uh putting my place together uh all all this evening and trying to reorganize my my place and kind of make it different make it feel like home after uh geez mm. since what april i moved into here so it's been a while and i'm still trying to get my stuff together but i was digging through some things and i found a poem that my mother uh wrote to me and it was attached to one of the pictures that we have and we're both in little canadian tuxedos which is jean jacket top jean jacket bottom but it was a nice little mother <laughs> mother son picture and uh i, I just really want to want to read this real quick and you know if some of you were like oh mike uh, reading a poem from his mother, you know, whatever. Um, number one, you don't know my mother and she would, she would beat your ass if you, if you make fun of me. <laughs> and, and two, uh, if you're, if you don't take time to love your mother, man, uh, you better, you better fix yourself because no matter how big and bad, uh, anybody thinks that I am or how old I get, uh, my mom is always going to be such a wonderful person in my life and it's unconditional love. I wouldn't be who I am without her today. And um, I'll, I, I just love her more, you know, more than anything, really. I mean, she's just a wonderful woman. So, uh, so nice to hear you say that, mate. So nice to hear anyone complaining about Mike talking about his mom, go and call your mom. Oh yeah. 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 Go and call her and tell her you love her. Yeah. You got to exactly. be a piece of work. You got to be a piece of work if you're getting upset about hearing someone talking about their mom positively. Yeah, so, yeah. Go ahead. What was, what was her poem, man? So, I'm loving this. So it was like hidden. It was hidden behind like a photo that you had, and you didn't know it was there, and you found it. 
Yeah, she 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 gave this to me, you know, a while ago when I moved oh, yeah. in. She came down to help a few months ago and and she brought some pictures down and she slipped this into there and I just found it. So it's, it's kind of nice. I read it this evening, but it sounded like she was kind of going through a hard time as well. I was a year and a half old. This is written June 10th, 1989. Um, so almost wow. uh, just over 35 years ago. Or I'm sorry, 34 years ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it was a Saturday. So my mom was going through something, but she was spending time with me. And this kind of is going to go into our topic, I think, about just talking about things will pass or going through something. But if you live in the present, that there's some really nice things that we can go through. So here you go. Melon hasn't heard this, by the way. I haven't read this to anybody. So this is the first time. When I took you to the park today, I was feeling really down. But as you usually do, in just a few minutes, you turned me all around. You have your own way of doing that. And at any given time. Is it any wonder, my little man, why I'm lucky that you're mine? It was amazing at the park today how my mind became so at ease, just riding the swings together, feeling close and feeling the breeze. And although we were saying nothing, you said so much with your eyes. I saw you say, I love you, mom, as you stared into the sky. We walked along, just you and me, and you wanted to take my hand, and this feeling shot right through me that only a mother can understand. I love to watch you wonder over everything you see, but what makes it all so special is you're wondering with me. It felt so good to lose all track of time for the time that we were there, for some of the best feelings I've ever felt happened to me there. And I hope as, as we both get older, there will be many more times like these when we can spend the time together just doing whatever we please. And if ever I'm heading for senile, promise me just one thing, don't let me forget times that I'll want to remember. Push your old mom on a swing. Love, mom, mom. <laughs> oh, my God. How about that one, huh? Freaking, that's my mom right there. Oh, man, right in the fields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. I'm going to talk to her about it, you know, because I didn't know she slipped that in there. But she uh, was obviously feeling something that day and worried um but she's kind of stopped and was very present with me and she was able to see uh that life was great and what she, i i guess i don't know i guess it was a nice kid but <laughs> something there that that really sparked her and, and yeah. for her to sit down and write this at the park uh while she was with me and then she was just watching me on a swing um really shows you that no matter what's going on in your life that you could really look around and find something beautiful, find something positive uh, to hold on to and, and realize that, you know, as she wrote here in the end, like when she's getting to, to be old and senile, you know, that maybe I could push her on a swing or things change. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's very beautiful, man. I'm going to frame this. I'm, I'm, I'm always going to keep this the rest of my life. Uh, I just wanted to share uh, that. That's that, that's a little bit of my mom, and I, I think it's important to uh, to pass some of that on. Wow, mate! And so you've not seen that until just recently. Yeah, your mom's been holding on to that all these years. Yeah, she kept it, and uh, yeah, June tenth, nineteen eighty nine. Crazy, man! That's so nice. Yeah, man that that was like that that sounded like it should be published. <laughs> i'll see if she wants to man i don't know but i mean that's uh i, I teared up reading it you know it was, i was like wow this is, this is my mom 
you know, this is how my mom looked at me and how she feels about me. And there's no mistaking, uh, <laughs> unconditional love. It's exactly that, what she wrote about. So yeah, I love my mom. Love my mom. Not, not ashamed of it at all. Shout out to Mark's mom. So everybody out there go call, call your mom when we're done here. Yeah. You freaking you better. Love. You freaking better. Yeah. It, man. And, and if you right. don't, God, God help you. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even know 1% of the things your mom's done for you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so nice, mate, that there's, you know, I'm just picturing this in the back of like a, a photo, you know, that's been there that all those years or something like that. That's kind of, you come across so nice. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, this is really what we wanted to talk about, you know, like talking there, as you just said, things will pass, everything will pass. And, but if you, if you're present, like your mum was 100% present that day, the moments will stay with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, Mel and I were talking yesterday. We, we we called and we talked about a few things. And so some really big thing for me happened about two weeks ago. I, I, I finally received a phone call that I was waiting for for three years, struggling. Um, it was from a, a, a past relationship that I had. And I finally got a phone call and it turned out to be way better than I thought. And it was just uh, no expectations, but it was just a point of finding peace and forgiveness. And, and, uh, and I did, and it just kind of put me on this path the last couple of weeks. I just feel like a whole new person, like I'm complete again. Like I have a, something giving back. I'm mm. confident and it's just very nice. And I was waiting for so long for that to pass uh, that I held on to it. And, and it was just like lingering, like dragging an anchor or something like that. And all I wanted it was to be gone. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about this stuff, like everything will pass, this too shall pass. And well, it's like, well, when, you know, like, is there a time? Yeah. Because I would like for it to pass now because it sucks, you know, but on the flip side, when really good things happen, we never want them to end, right? Uh, whether it's a, a relationship or an experience or maybe just a single day of happiness and joy and celebration. It's like, wait, we, we never want this to end. Um, but as Melon and I were talking about it today, and we, we don't mean to be morbid. We're, we're look, not looking at it as that way. We're looking at it as a positive. Um, mm. Everything is going to end everything and that's just the way life is uh whether it's you know geez house money material things they'll all get old fall apart slip away blow away like it, it doesn't matter it will end if it's a relationship i hope if you're listening that you found the love of your life that you have wonderful children and you're living the life that you always dreamed of you know but ultimately one day it will end you know like people will move out mm. people will pass on uh, it's all going to happen. And, you know, when people bring it up and they talk about it, people are like, nope, nope, don't talk about it. I never want to think about that. I understand. It's scary because it's like, man, I you know no one ever wants to lose something. But it, you got to look at it from the other way. And it's a lesson that we learned from reading like Greek, Greek history and about Greek gods is, you know, the Greek gods hated the Greeks because one, they were mortal. And they realized that they could die. They realized that everything would be lost at some point because of that. And they loved harder. They they had mm -hmm. better relationships. They appreciated things more. 
uh, where the gods were immortal. And no matter what they did, they would always be there the next day. And they hated things. They didn't take pride in things. They they abused things, you know, all the time. And they had no respect for anything. They didn't love each other. They couldn't love man. They couldn't do anything. Um, but it just teaches us a lesson that, you know, everything will end at some point, whether it's good, whether it's bad. And being able to find peace within that and just know uh, it's all an experience. It's all not a, a victory. It's not, not a punishment or a failure. It's all just an experience that we all need to like move through, f- like feel what it's offering to us. You, may, you might laugh. You might cry. It's all good. Um, but it's not going to last forever. And yeah. That's the whole journey. You know, we hear this journey of life, enjoy life. Like it's a journey. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a race, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, the older I get, man, with the experience that I have and how things are working out and just weirdly, you know, like I, that I have no control of, I'm really starting to believe a lot of that, uh, that it's, there's so many things get being given to us that, you know, I've said it before, like the good things are good. The bad things are good. And I truly believe that because they're all lessons. They're all lessons, you know? So that's kind of where we're going with all this, um, to open up the topic and and go, um, shift it over to Melon. What do you, what do what do you got for the opening of this? Yeah. I've been reading, you know, a lot of stuff and, and talking about it. And I think I came across, it was a, uh, a hospital chaplain who has been working in hospitals and has been there for the passing of hundreds, maybe thousands of, of people at the end of their days. And some of the insights in there around people in their last days, his insight was that there's two deaths. There's a person actually passing and their life is ending. But then there's also the life that they really wish that they'd lived. Mm. And, that, and that that's the real tragedy in a lot of the time when people are passing. And it's to, to find a lesson and take from that, this journey we're on, this this path that we're on, you know, there's, there's a beginning, a middle and an end, there's an arc. As you were saying there, like the, the Greek philosophers had that awareness of mortality that drove, that drove the Greek heroes to achieve greatness and the gods had eternity and then they were fickle and arguing and lying and cheating and all of that sort of stuff. But the, the mortals who had a finite time had to get on and seize the day. All of that, all of that stuff that's so fundamental for the way we live. And the insights from this chaplain were around people in their last days having regret for never having lived the life that they could have lived, mm. for never having found their way to really being their authentic self. You know, if you're living uh, the life due to outside pressures, family or culture or friends, I mean, it, it could even be that you're living a life for people you don't even know or don't care about. It could be a social media type, you know, having a facade or a life you're trying to live rather than finding what you really care about and what you really value. And then at the end of the at the end of times, a second insight that this chaplain had was people saying, what was I so afraid of? All the people that I lived for are dead now too. 
And if you can have this awareness without a, a morbid negative influence, as you said in the beginning, Mike, that you've got a limited amount of time. And if you can find your way to the best you, not like some selfish, you know, low values type person. We're talking about finding your way to the highest and best you, the person that you could be if you really set your mind to it and doing all the things that are going to lead to that, that you're not going to have, you're going to achieve amazing things and your life is going to have been an adventure because we've all only got a finite period of time. So why not have a life that is an adventure? Why not have a life that has an arc yeah. where you're the hero and, you know, that you're taking risks and, and and really focusing in on all those areas of life that are important, your health and your career and your family and your relationships and your spiritual development and all of those things, working to unpack issues you had in the past, like you've just said, you had this amazing completion conversation, Mike. Yes. And the thing about a completion conversation is that at the end of it, as you said, you felt complete. You had closure on something that was not closure. You, you got back into a state of being whole and complete, the word integrity means that, like sort of whole integrity in a ship or a submarine. That's got the same meaning as integrity when we talk about, you know, being your word and so on. And when you're in those periods where you've got suffering in your life, like you've got a relationship that uh, there's pain and suffering associated with or there's regret, the pain will linger until you're ready to have that closure. Like if that thing is still burning, you, you've got a lesson you haven't taken out of it yet. You haven't extracted the thing that life is trying to teach you. And when you have, you'll be in a state where you're able to complete and close that and heal it. So there's some of the insights I've had around just these, these amazing insights that people are able to have in palliative care where they're dealing with people in their last days. And there's, there's lessons that you can apply in your life that are not morbid, but they have you seize the day and take the moment and, you know, do stuff like call your mum and tell her you love her. <laughs> and the doing of that is going to transform your life. It's going to transform your experience of being you. And, you know, there's a great Bowie quote that I'm going to butcher a little bit from David Bowie saying, aging is an extraordinary process where you become the person you always could have been. And it's like if you stay in the moment, you stay focused and you're finding the lessons and, you know, you can be giving up scripts and other people's pressures and to live a different life would be a certain way and find yourself that you can you can really achieve something and have an experience and make a difference and contribute to other people where you I think it's, um, you know, in another way too, <clears throat> we get into living a purpose-driven life. Yeah. And I think that really, when you explore that, there's a lot of things in there that help define what's important and what our real purpose is. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not sitting around and worrying about what you can't control, which we all do. We all have done. I have clearly done <laughs> many times. But, you know, it's it's getting into the things, again, we, we, we speak on this a lot, is what you can and cannot control, What but also what really mm -hmm. matters, where your time and your energy should go to, 
And that's going into your your character. It's going into development of yourself, of your family, of your friends, of your circle. Um, but also too, it's like your legacy. Like what are you what are you gonna leave behind that you're gonna be known for or somebody's gonna take? You know, it's like taking a seed off of the tree and carrying it on and planting it somewhere else for it to thrive and for other people to feed off of it. I mean, that's ultimately what we're supposed to be doing in all aspects of life. Uh, if you read it, I mean, it's in the Bible, it's in a, a few other uh, books, but it just talks about a purpose driven life and that uh, everything's gonna going to end. You know, one day we're all going to get old and we can't do what we want to do anymore. And, and that was something that like Melon and I were talking about, you know, it's like, I can't do my job for the rest of my life as much as I wanted to, you know, I can't be this, uh, this uh, special operations soldier. <laughs> You know, my body's going to get broken. I mean, I'm already half broken. I'm, I'm 35 years old. Um, so I can't do it like as, as long as I'd like or, you know, force myself to. Uh, Mellon can't be a pilot, the, you know, the rest of his life. He's His eyes are going to go bad, you know. I mean, he's going to probably lose his hair and they're not going to allow him to fly just on looks alone because there's a standard <laughs> within pilots, you know, in aviation. So they're going to be like, Hey, look, dude, you're just too bald, too ugly. Now you can, we're not letting you put on a uniform. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to hear sometimes, you know, I was listening to this guy, his name is Ryan Shazier. Uh, and I've met him, uh, quite a few times. He was a Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, football player, American football gridiron, uh, linebacker. And in 2017, he was an all pro bowl um player phenomenal player just all over the field and he tackled a guy with and led with his helmet and it compressed his spine and i and he was paralyzed and he had to relearn how to walk he'd never play football again like all these different things and he wrote out a quote he said you know one day you're at the top of your game life couldn't be better you're uh, never been in better physical shape you're only a couple games away from signing a contract of the most money in your life, which would set up your hopes and dreams and all these other things that are in the future. And then one tackle later that you had, you know, <laughs> you weren't planning on changes your whole life and everything's gone. You're no longer playing in front of 10 million people. You're not getting paid. Uh, you're not talked to or looked at the same way. And now you're just on a street going, now what do I do? It's all over. As harsh as that yeah. is, I don't, I don't wish that on anybody an injury. But if you really think about it and take a step back, everything is going to end at some point. And for me personally, I always like to say to my guys when I'm when I'm talking about their career or anything else and setting up for when something's over is it's going to end one of two ways, the way you want it to and your expectations and the way you see it and unfolding. And then there's the way life has it unfold, which could sometimes yeah. be complete opposite, right? And what was the quote you said, Mellon, about uh, the last flight? Yeah, yeah. So I had a I had an instructor back in the day when I was uh, training to fly Hornets F-18s in Australia and I had a, an instructor, Hosco, who, this is an aside, did a U.S. Navy exchange and flew on carriers and, and so on. We don't have aircraft carriers in Australia, so it's very unusual to find the guys had that qualification. And Hosco, we had a Friday, Friday down at the uh, – at the bar, you know, sort of clinking beers together, and and he was like, "Here's to another week having having flown," and we we're sort of sort of having a bit of laugh. He's like, "No, no, no, but seriously, you know, like all of us are going to have a last flight. There's going to be a last time we strap in 
to an aircraft and the lucky ones know when that last time was happening. And I was really like, man, <laughs> there's a lot in that for life, right? Like he's talking about guys maybe losing a medical category or having something happen where they can't fly again. He's also talking about people crashing or dying in that last flight. There's a lot of stuff, right? And that the lucky ones go out there and know this is my last one. But all of us are going to have a last, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. As you're saying, like there's going to be a last game of football. There's going to be a last, there's going to be a last time you're going to get to pick your kids up. You know, there's going to be a last, everything. And when you're in the moment and you've been extracting the joy and all of those with it, you're not going to have the regret later that you missed something. And there's going to be always those cards you get dealt, you know, that whole playing the cards you get versus the cards you wanted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that when that flop happens and life happens and, you, and you're and you sitting there thinking, man, I didn't want this. I wanted the four aces. It's like, well, no, you got the, you got the what you got. And now what are you going to do? You know? Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty powerful. You know, I lo- I love that story of Costco saying, you know, the lucky ones will know when it's their last time. I mean, imagine, imagine if you knew in your life, if there was a narrator say, and every time it was your last time having something so important that the narrator voice, you know, which I'm pretty sure it would be either Samuel L. Jackson or Morgan Freeman. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, like I, I, I think that's God or like they're always the narrators in people's heads or something. You know, Samuel L. Jackson's the R-rated version. Of <laughs> yeah, exactly. But imagine if you were told every single time, like, hey, you might want to pay attention a little bit more or you might want to love this person mm. a little more or have that conversation because this is the last time you're going to see them. This is the last time you're going to have. Yeah. This is the last time, you know, whatever. I mean, imagine if that was the case. What would you say? How would you act? What conversations would you have? What would you change in your life? Right? Pretty powerful mm. to think about, you know? And it's like, man, that changes everything. It changes my way of thinking, my sense of time, my sense of love, appreciation, um, a lot of that. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Or is it? Mm. Or is that is that a blessing? Is that a good thing? You know, man, you could go back and forth, but honestly, I think not knowing makes you appreciate things even more because I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I I don't have control over anything except how I react to what happens, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, none of us want to get the phone call at 3 a.m. and you get the worst news of your life. But when you wake up, are you going to be filled with regret or are you going to go, man, I'm so glad that I said what I said. I'm so glad I took that day off and spent the time with them because of this. I'm so glad that I took that vacation. I'm so glad that I did something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, there's, there's a big so difference that, there. And that there's another part of that. Like when you're saying there, you know, we don't have the voice of Samuel L. Jackson or, or Morgan Freeman in the, in the family version in life. Like there's no one ringing a bell saying this is an important moment. Hmm. There's no one ringing a bell. There's no one ringing a bell for you and your training in a, in a time when you got an opportunity to train. And same for me with pilot training and you with your with all the stuff you do to say this is the important thing, and you you need to learn this lesson that's coming to you right now. 
and maybe years later you're going to cash in on a couple of years worth of experience and knowledge and capability that you you were either there in the moment and you were taking all the lessons and then you know you get the engine fire in the aircraft and you cash in in a second like uh, Captain Sullenberg with the Miracle on the Hudson with all his whole lifetime of experience, he cashed in when he got the double engine out and he managed to ditch into the Hudson. No one's ringing a bell saying, pay attention in this course, pay attention in this day of training, pay attention when this person's talking or go read this book. And these moments come and the opportunity to take the lesson out of them is either taken advantage or missed. Hmm. And do you know what I mean? It's the same thing where you're saying like that last we're going to have a last conversation with our parents. We're going to have a last conversation with all the people that we know because either we're going to pass or they're going to pass. Life will occur. There's no bell ringing in these key moments. Like you've been saying there, if you're in the moment, like, you know, your mum in the park with you that day, (laughs) June 10, 1989, you're not going to have the regret of having missed it when, when, when the important time comes. And it's just these lessons from the, the the chaplain in the hospital dealing with palliative care, lessons from all of us in these critical roles, military first responders, air crew, et cetera, conversations with family. Like if you've been in the moment all the time, you, you've got the best chance to then be able to play the cards that you get dealt by life or when we come to the end of our life to, to not have regret there. And, you know, we have a chance to become the person we always could have been. And if you're in the moment and you're, you're doing it, but, and like, we're not saying you're always on, you know, you're also having those recreation, like the recreation is recreation. You're having those times to downtime, to, to chill and watch a movie and sit and drink a cup of coffee and look at the, the river or whatever it is, like those are key moments too. You know, you're not always hustling. But like, what a blessing to be able to be in your final days and to look back with satisfaction on your life. Uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, that you know, I listen to him a lot, Melon, as well. Yeah. Uh, he says a quote here: "Can you imagine yourself in ten years if?" instead of avoiding the things you know you should do, you actually did them every single day. That's powerful. Mm. Right. And that's exactly what we're talking about there is, you know, we're, we're, we're living in fear. We're avoidant uh, that we, we, we think we have time. I'll get around to it later. Oh, that's not right now. I can do that whenever I want. And uh, man, we live a life like that. And, and again, look, I try to think that way. Do I always? No, <laughs> I'm a human. I'm human, right? I have emotions. I have feelings, stress, everything else. And I try to prioritize the best I can and try to live a good life. But do I always hit the mark? No, I do not. I will be the mm. first to tell you. Um, yeah, yeah. All, everybody, everybody. We're all, we're all, we're all fouled, right? And it, but it's the people that are trying. It's the people that I love surrounding myself around. They can acknowledge it, but they're like, yeah, but look, that there's still a bright side to this, you know, and there's, there's work to be done, not just give up or fail or anything. So I think about that and about what Peterson said. And uh, 
it it does make things uh, more meaningful. And the the best thing that comes to mind is two years ago when my my grandmother passed on Halloween morning. Uh, but six months prior, uh, I was away for training and I, I I wasn't home. But my uncle passed away suddenly, um, and you know I I went and I drove all the way back home and I stopped at my grandmother's favorite pizza place. She loved pizza. And I got a, a a pizza and a little puzzle. I think it was like a 300 piece puzzle or whatever. And uh, I sat there that night. I stayed over at her at her house and we sat at the table and we had her favorite pizza and we built a puzzle together and we talked about life. And that was the most in-depth discussion I've ever had with my grandmother. Uh, never talked about the things that we talked about in my entire life. But it just felt like the right moment. It felt like the right time and everything else. And that's when she shared with me, you know, some of the things, the best things in life aren't things and, you know, what was most important to her in her life. And again, she was 84. So kind of what Mellon was saying about you're getting to the to the end of your life and there's regret, there's thankfulness, gratefulness for what you did have and uh, a perception that we can't as younger people can't see or feel yet because we feel like we have time you know like i'm 35 mm -hmm. people tell me oh you're a baby you still have so much time left and like, yeah i believe i do hopefully um but it's not till you're in that moment where someone has a sickness or um uh, they're very old or they're laying in a hospital bed or something just absolutely terrible happened to them where they have to face it immediately it's like this ugly monster in front of you and there's no choice anymore uh, I will never regret having that time at the table with pizza and a puzzle and an amazing conversation yeah. with my grandmother. If I could have the choice to go back and redo it, I wouldn't. I knew mm -hmm. that I hit the mark and I said what I needed to say. And she said some amazing things that she passed on to me that I'll never forget. And I'm grateful and I have peace with it. So when I found out the morning I was up on the Appalachian Trail, actually up on the mountaintop, and I didn't have reception that morning, I climbed down after two days, yeah. got reception, and I, I received a phone call that my grandmother passed away. I sat up there uh, on the side of the hill watching the sun come up, and I just talked to her. And I said, thank you, Graham, mm -hmm. for everything. Thank you for the talk that we had, and I'll miss you, and I'll love you, and everything else. But I, I wasn't extremely sad i felt peaceful about it uh because of the experience i got to have and i was very intentional with my time with her uh knowing that i didn't think it was going to be that much longer you know so yeah that's a that's a wonderful beautiful example that comes to my mind uh about doing what you should do and not taking anything for granted especially your time I remember you telling me about, I don't think I knew about the pizza puzzle and life evening with Graham, but that is, that's a beautiful thought to picture a grandson with his grandmother doing a puzzle and sharing her favorite meal. He doesn't love pizza and talking about life. But I do remember you talking about being up on the mountaintop and coming down and getting that message. And then you then took the time to reflect and like life life is big it, 
big moments and then there's the grind, you know, the, the day-to-day that can occur and it occurs to everyone, like you're saying, or all of us. But then these, these key moments you, you can put in with intention. You know, you can stop. You can stop and buy the 300-piece jigsaw puzzle and you can buy a pizza. <laughs> or you can... Uh, you can make that phone call or send that send that message to someone when you think of them in the moment when you think of them. You just take that ten seconds to record a little voice memo and send it off, and have that touch point, and keep that relationship, build on that relationship. Right. I was um, talking with Michael. You know, we're sort of talking about a lot of stuff here. You know, playing the cards you get versus the cards you wanted the importance of being in the moment and that there's no one ringing a bell saying this is this is important right now. But there's um, Stephen Covey has some really awesome insights and I highly recommend people get into his work. Just an amazing, amazing thought leader. One of his key ones we've talked about before is the circle of influence and the circle of concern. And the circle of concern is a big circle. It's like a donut. There's a small circle inside the big one. And the big circle is circle of concern and that's all the things that concern your life all the things are going to impact you from weather to taxes to socioeconomic you know recessions and everything in your life your health everything and inside that circle of concern is your circle of influence and they're the things you can change the Mm -hmm. things you can you can make a difference on and the outside circle is a set size and it's the circle of influence that's either going to grow or shrink. And it's going to grow or shrink based on where your attention is. If your attention is in the circle of concern, you know, you're, you're moaning about your boss or you're complaining about your parents or whatever it is, your circle of influence will shrink. And if you're concentrating on your relationships and you're, you know, you're eating well and you're exercising and you're, you know, you're doing your, your preparation for your mission, you're doing your study for your flight, you're doing whatever it is that's important in your life, that circle of influence will grow and you'll be able to impact your life. You know, you, you're the person who's whinging and moaning at work. You, you just People don't listen to you and you're not going to have a voice with your boss, you're not going to have a voice with your peers or your subordinates. You're the, the person who's quiet and takes on the, the task and gets on with it. When you speak, on those rare occasions that you speak, people are going to listen to you and you're going to have an impact because you've you've got credibility and you've got a, a proven track record behind you. Anyway, this circle of concern influencing, I was, I was talking to Michael about it and there's a lot of stuff that we've sort of been talking about like Mike doing the, the hard work and the preparation for years or me, the same thing in the aviation sphere of gaining skills and knowledge quietly over many many years and then having to cash in that experience and and knowledge in a moment that's critical you know with the engine fail for example i was talking to michael about this uh my son michael who's now 14 about this idea of circle of influence and circle of concern and it was to do with my daughter when she was born 16 years ago 16 nearly nearly 17 can you believe mike in january be 17 years so she was a super she was a super prem baby. She was delivered on the first day of the twenty third week. So she was seventeen weeks early. And uh, my wife Jerry's waters broke 
on the first day of the twenty second week, and we didn't know what was going on. You know, that first, our first baby, and I turned up to the hospital in my flying suit, you know, direct from work, and the the doctors came and and told us that this was a non viable pregnancy and that Cherry uh, was going to go into labour and the baby would be delivered within normally a couple of hours. And where we were in the 22nd week, it's just not viable. But he really laid it out, told me all about the condition of the lungs and the condition of all the organs and the skin and all the reasons why. And it was pretty, it's probably the most horrendous conversation I've ever had to endure. I've had some pretty bad ones. And he laid all this out so that typically fathers in these situations are like, on the end of a spectrum of survival at all costs. And mothers tend to be on the end of the spectrum, no suffering for my baby. And these are not, these are like opposites. So he was really laying it out so that I wouldn't argue and end up in a situation where this little baby was going to then have basically no chance of surviving, but have, you know, five days of pain or before passing, which does happen. So this doctor really laid it out. It was pretty horrendous and they brought in a form for me to sign saying consent to not resuscitate. And I then went home and it was seven days where Cherry was in the hospital in the high-risk maternity ward. And I'd stay in there sort of as long as I could every day and there was certain visiting hours and I'd come in early and hide and stay in there late and hide and turn the lights off and you know, put chairs together and sleep on them because I just, I had the sense that this, this time was super important and the labour could come at any moment and I wanted to be there. And Cherry amazingly made it through seven days, just an extraordinary example of spirit, mind and body, you know, that your, your spiritual state goes first and then your emotional and mental and then body will follow. But anyway, the big matron would come around every night in the dark and she'd find me in there she'd go off about a man being in the maternity ward late at night and so on and I'd have to go home, you know, like at midnight or 2 a.m. or whatever and get online and read. And this is the circle of influence part. I, I spent a couple of hours every night and in this seven days, I didn't know that I'd have seven days because no one rings a bell and no one tells you. In this seven days, I read this huge report that had just been done into prematurity and all the aspects, the ethics, legal medical costs, disability, likely outcomes, 276-page report called the Nuffield Report. And I read this. I'd come home at 2 a.m. and read for a couple of hours and crash on the couch and then get up and go in the car and drive back to the hospital again in the morning. And in this seven-day window, I read this whole report and I understood that there was a threshold that you cross as you come into the 23rd week where you're in with a chance, a very small chance, but the baby could possibly be viable. It's a grey area from the 23rd to 25th week and then past the 25th week, you, your chances really improve. Anyway, I was counting down the days and I knew that this date was coming for the 23rd week and on the first day of the 23rd week, Annie, my wife, Jerry, actually did go into labour. And on the night, you know, it's about 2 a.m. We're in the hospital and I'm in the, you know, they've called me and I've come in. It was all a dark room. The lights were dim and it was all very quiet and midwives there and the gynecologist and, you know, holding hands and 
you know, full of fear and trepidation and so on. And just looking around, thinking, everyone's, everything's pretty chill in here, you know. And at one point I said to the doctor, where's the neonatal unit? And the doctor came to me and looked at me and I just saw this look of, you know, sort of anger come across his face. He's like, what do you mean? You've agreed not to resuscitate. And I I realised in a moment what it, where we were, what was happening. And I was like, but that was in the 22nd week and we're now in the 23rd week. And they've never come back and asked us again. But I, I thought we're now in the 23rd week, we're in with a chance. And this doctor had been told, no, no, this family's agreed not to resuscitate. So they were preparing just for a non-viable delivery. Mm. And I and I knew I had like like the labor's wearing labor. And I just said to him, I've read the Nuffield report. I understand survival at all costs and no suffering as a spectrum. And I'm in the middle and I'll be guided by you, but I want to have it. If, if there's a chance, I want there to be a chance. And he like just ran, he just ran out of the room when I didn't know he went down to the neonatal unit and he grabbed the neonatal specialist and pulled him out in the middle of his shift. And they didn't know this was happening. And they were all furious with me because they thought I was changing my mind. It was actually just the procedure had, you know, they should, I wrote a letter to them and they changed the procedure to come back and revisit when they hit milestones so the families could update their decision. And this doc, this German neonatal doctor came in and was like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, how, why are you changing? Well, I said, Nuffield report, survival costs, no suffering. I'm in the middle to be guided by you. I understand the risks, but I want there to be a chance. And he said, all right, if there's a heartbeat, we'll resuscitate. And he said, okay. He ran out of the room and then came in with another nurse and they literally put the neonatal unit together in the room while Cherry was in full labour. That's a long story, but... Dude, I, wow. I, I mean, you, you told me the story before yeah. we hit the record button, but hiding in the dark in the neonatal unit, it's like maternity ward, like, you can't be in here. Like, I've never heard of somebody hiding away in the hospital or whatever just to be there but i mean your reasoning is is perfectly normal i mean you didn't want to be there to miss something terrible that you knew could happen and you were making the very clear decision that i'm going to be here for 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 cheza i'm going to be here for whatever happens to annie no question um yeah because i you know when you when you were talking about it, i was like man what if he wasn't there and something happens like who would who would Mellon be today? Like what? How would he yeah. look at things the way he did? He you would be full with regret probably the rest of your life if if you knew that you could be there like you were, and you just for whatever reason chose not to be. Like yeah, you know, man. I mean, that would be so heavy to carry, and I think that's you know that doctor that was talking about being around the people that or on their last leg or, you know, laying in their deathbed and they're just going through their life listing out the regrets and he's bearing witness to it, you know, just hearing all these incredible mm. stories of, I wish I, I should have, I could have, this would have been better if, and, you know, he's sitting there taking it on board. I mean, it's, it's a curse and it's a gift. I think at the same time, but it's a curse and it's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if we're not taking the time to 
to look at those things and acknowledge them for what they are and trying to really do the best thing. Like Melon said, and, and that quote said was, you know, stop worrying about what other people are influencing you to do or whatever, because at the end of the day, you're going to live with it, not them. Yeah. They're going to be gone. They're yeah. going to pass away too, you know? And to on a lighter note, you know, it reminds me of the movie Grumpy Your Old Men, where the guy goes out and he's like, what do you what do you eat for breakfast? He's like, bacon. And he's like, what do you eat for lunch? Bacon. And then he's like, how about for dinner? He's like, two pounds of bacon and a cigarette every day for 70 years. And those damn doctors keep telling me uh, to stop eating it. And they just keep on dying, <laughs> you know, and he's still there enjoying his bacon. You know, like it's, it's funny as hell. It's a great movie if you haven't seen it, but, um, but it's true. It's like, man, live your life. You know what you're going to regret. You know what you're not going to regret. You know, what's most important to you and yeah, everything else. I mean, as hard as that sounds, I mean, did I, I worried about for a long time in a period of my life, what other people thought, you know, what I should be, who I should yeah, be, yeah. how I should look. And it really cost me on some big decisions that, you know, I may or may not regret now because I was worried about what other people thought when little did I think about they're going through their own problems. They're going through their own dilemmas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, dude, one's enough. There's an age you reach. I think there's an age you reach. You know, I think it's it's really clear that people at the end of their, end of their days have reached this point where you realize you know, when you're young, you're like, oh, what does everyone else think? And I need to wear these clothes and do these things. And then there's a point where you're like, oh, I need to start living for myself. And then there's a point when you're like, you realize no one, no one ever gave a shit about you anyway. They were all wrapped up in their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just to, just to, just to tidy off that, that story, like my, it was a happy ending. My, my daughter lived and we had an amazing outcome, but it was there was no bell ringing saying, read this Nuffield report. This is the key thing you need to be doing now. That this gave me a circle of influence with the doctors. I had the words, I had the concepts. I could communicate in like a 10 second burst because that's all I had. And they understood what, they didn't have to stand there arguing with me. They were like, he understands and they could go and do their job. I'm, I'm just saying that critical moments come and critical moments go and you don't know which ones are which. You know, is this a mundane? Is this not? But if you're present and you you're in the moment, you can do the thing you need to do. And you can build that circle of influence that you're going to need. You might need later. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. You you will need it later. Let's just put it that way. You will need it later because life is not to be done by yourself. It's done to be with relationships and other people and experience things together and be able to lean on people mm. in the worst times and, and celebrate when there's good times. And, and again, those are things that you're not going to regret, you know, on either side of the, either side of the coin. So, yeah, man, I think it's great. Um, I think it's time maybe to, uh, to wrap it up. What do you think, Melanie? Yeah. Mate, I'm just left with this image of you and your mom in the park. <laughs> in June 10, 1989. And, you know. Yeah, I can't help so it. it. Like that, that's the key. That's the key, you know. Play the cards you get versus the cards you wanted. And there's going to be hard times for all of us. Like, and all of us are going to make mistakes and all of us are going to be influenced by, you know, thoughts about what people around us, pressures, all that stuff because we're human. But 
the lucky ones find these moments and find these ways to be in the moment, even when things are going badly, and find the way to play the cards that you get. And, you know, we all wish we had the four aces or the full house or whatever, but you're not. You're going to get where you get, and all of us are going to get bad cards at times. Yeah. I'll just close with uh, two things. One, if I got the four aces every single time, I wouldn't be who I am today. And like I said yeah. before, man, I've got to a point in my life where I truly love myself for who I am and what I'm doing and the effects I have in my relationships and stuff. So I I, I don't want the four aces as, as, as great as it sounds. No, thank you. Um, I'll take the, I'll take the good and the bad. Uh, and, and the second part that I want to offer is just uh, my challenge with this. You know, I'm sitting here listening to Mellon talk and these quotes and reading this letter that I just opened up tonight in a poem from my mom from 34 years ago. Uh, what is one thing that you're putting off? What what one thing emotionally, professionally, physically and spiritually go through each of those four things and, and really think about what are you putting off thinking then that there's more time that you can do it tomorrow. Mm. Uh, I can do that next year. You know, I can do whatever because, you know, I write these down and emotionally I wish I would share something with someone and let them know truly how much I love them before it's too late. Professionally, maybe I should go for that dream job, that I should go for the next mm. level, that I should get that degree, that I should get something that I need to just go for it. Physically, man, maybe I've always wanted to do a marathon, right? Or do a swim because God forbid something happens to you and you can't walk anymore. You know, you can't run anymore. You can't, uh, you, you just can't do it anymore. Uh, or spiritually, man, is something eating you up so bad inside and you're just yearning? Uh, to have something cleaned from your soul, go do it. Yeah. Go do it because that could be the worst thing. All other things could be great. Your emotions, professional, physically, that can be great. But if your spirit's hurting, man, all of those are going to hurt. Uh, don't mm. waste time. Find your peace. Get your closure. You know, whatever it is, man, because uh, – I'm speaking from experience with all four of these, like many people out there can do um, and a lot way, way worse than I, uh, but it's, it's something that it's a starting point. What's one thing for each of those that you could, that you're waiting on or sitting on that you shouldn't, and you know, you shouldn't write it down, figure out an action plan and just go do it. Even if you fail, go do it. You don't want any regrets. That's all I got. I'm sure like, just to reinforce what Mike's saying, I'm sure there's a conversation that all of us could have, you know, but there's one person we can call we can tell people we love them. We can clean up something from the past. And uh, like that's that power you have in your hands. You could do it. You could do it quickly. It doesn't have to be a two hour conversation to be a little power connection. And at least if she's still around, call your mom and tell her you love her. That's my, that's my challenge. Yeah. All right. There's five things. Number one, call your mother <laughs> and then do the other four. And then do the other yeah. four. God help you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and if she, and if she's passed, you know, just take a moment and think about a moment like day in the park, you know, and have a conversation in your mind if your mom's passed. But if she's around, dial the number and let her know you love her. 
All right, Mike. Thanks for another amazing conversation, mate. Thanks for staying up so late in the middle of an unbelievable training regime. I mean, he shares with, just for the listeners, he shares with me what he does and I just can't believe it. And here we are, freaking late, late at night. He stayed up for this. So I really appreciate you, mate. And uh, stay safe in your training. And for everyone else out there, wow. Let us know how you've, anything you've taken out of this conversation, any recent ones, any topics you'd like us to cover. Subscribe, like, and share this out into your network. Take care.